Hey, it's Film Critics Weekly. We're talking about Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. Not a great table of guests to talk about it. It's coming up next. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. Hey, welcome everybody to Film Critics Weekly, brought to you by the LA uh, LA Online Film Critics Society. I'm a new member, that's why I just stumbled over it, because I'm still getting it in my mouth. I am your host for today's show, John Roca. I work at Collider. I'm a producer, host, and writer, and as I just said, a new member of LAOFCS. And what better show to start with than a show talking about Quentin Tarantino and his new film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And hey... You don't want to just listen to me. You want to listen to other people who are much more intelligent me than me to talk about this film. And we are very lucky to have these incredible guests with me today for us to talk about uh, the film. Let's start off with the lovely Nikki Novak. How are you, Nikki? And tell people where they can find you. Thank you. You didn't tell me I was one of your favorite people today. You, you normally are. do that. I was expecting that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, Nikki Novak. You can find me at Nikki Novak on all socials. But I work. I'm a correspondent for Fandango. And do a lot of other TV stuff. Yes, you do. You've been on Collider a few times as well. I love having you on. Uh, Jamie, please tell people who you are and where you're from. How you doing, guys? Jamie Philbrick. (laughs) I'm with uh, M-Time China, uh, China's largest entertainment website. And I'm a producer, staff writer, host over at M-Time. And you can follow me at Philbrock on Twitter and Instagram. I love it. Those are great things. It's been so fun to meet all the new people that I've seen before yeah, sure. or heard before and get exposure to the point of view. We last year. Yes, we did. Yeah. Yes, we did. Was We're that good. the one I was on? Yeah. That's where I met you. For, for yeah. Jungle, yeah. Uh, not Jungle Cruise. Yeah, Jumanji. Uh, Jumanji. Jumanji. Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome to the Jungle. jungle. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I knew nobody. I went totally cold. The Schmo, At the time, it was Schmoes No and Collide. They sent me to interview The Rock because I'm such a massive fan of The Rock right. and I, I didn't know anybody. I felt so. I felt like I was in a new school like, and I was the fat kid that nobody wanted to talk to and I glommed on to Mike who works, uh, I can't remember what, oh, I, I think IGN or something, and I uh, talked to him a little bit, but then eventually he got sick of me, so I was trying to find new people to talk to. But this is how we met. Yes. So I went directly after, it was one of those setups, it was outside, I'm yeah, sure people right. remember the junket looking like it was outside with everybody, and we, you know, so you're sort of lined up the next person that, you know, if you're going next, you sort of line up and you yeah. can watch the person ahead of you, and we talked briefly yes. before you went in, you mm-hmm. were ahead of me, and he was so excited excited because I he had like a belt for yeah. him and yeah, the yeah, whole yeah, thing yeah, yeah, yeah. and cool. <laughs> and so I'm just sitting there with my phone no it was great yeah. I was sitting there with my phone and I thought well this dude's so excited he's going to want a couple pictures with the rock so I just took some candid oh, photos and him? then later on right? I, I didn't even know your name and I yeah. said to somebody who's that guy that you know I think he's like outlaw or something <laughs> <laughs> and I sent them to you yeah. and that's how we became friends well, you introduced yourself to me and I was like I know you you've yeah. got a nickname I've seen you somewhere <laughs> are you the chief are you the cowboy <laughs> Are you the? I don't know what it, but the outlaw. That's yeah, how yeah. can you forget? Yeah. Well, speaking of outlaw, those are cowboys. That's certainly prevalent to the movie we're talking about today. Once upon a nice segue. segue. Nice segue. That's why you're the outlaw. That's, right. That's why you're hosting the same today. <laughs> Once upon a time in Hollywood. Uh, all of us got to see it ahead of time. This is a spoiler review, right? We can break no. it all down. Oh, non-spoiler. I think this is. I, I mean, I think Mr. Tarantino would like us. Specifically, not to spoil one thing that we're probably all oh, aware of. Right, but short okay. of that, I think we all can right. talk about the film. Right? Okay. Is it a non-spoiler, Ryan? We're not supposed to talk about it. 
it's a non-spoiler. Non-spoiler, yeah. got it. Okay. Okay. Well, we're we're definitely going to break the film down as much as possible without spoiling oh, anything gosh. about it, which is really difficult because this is yeah. this mm-hmm. is a really interesting, fantastic film that is a slice of 1969 when so much was happening in the in the country uh, and so much was happening in terms of transitioning from this from this like flower power hippie love thing to a little more darker edge on the fringes of society bleeding into the mainstream and that includes the Manson cult who killed Sharon Tate uh, in that year Roman Polanski's girlfriend at the time she was pregnant it was a horrible massacre uh, and so and a number of other people were killed as well uh, and this became legend and it changed Hollywood forever I was speaking to a producer over at ET Live I did ET Live earlier this week and he said he was in Hollywood right. when it all happened he was of that age he was like 20 years old or whatever and he said even actors who weren't of name were hiring bodyguards so that they would not get killed wow. like Sharon Tate was killed. In I'm Man's a big family. Steve McQueen fan. I've yep. read every biography on McQueen, and that's yeah. a big thing that you see in different biographies. I think he was actually at the Tate's house earlier that day wow. or wow, something like that, yeah, that where they were supposed to go over there. And it, he was pretty freaked out for years on end mm-hmm. afterwards because oh, wow. he you know, literally missed being there by maybe a few hours. Is that well known? That's, it, that's pretty Is well known. It? I know oh, I've wow. heard his wife say it in one okay. of the, or his first wife say it in one of the documentaries. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to break it all down and talk about the film, as I said, as much as possible. But let's take a look uh, first into uh, Tarantino's career a little bit before we jump into the film. This is his ninth film. Uh, he's talked exclusively all the time in interviews in his, mani- in his mania that <laughs> he is only going to do ten films, which I find to be a random number for a guy who people absolutely love and revere as an already great filmmaker, uh, probably halfway through his career, people were calling him a great filmmaker. Uh, Jamie, what has been like some, what has been his effect on you as a, as a movie goer and movie lover? Yeah. I mean, I was in college when the first Pulp Fiction Mm. came out or the first Pulp Fiction. It's only been one. But when Pulp Fiction first (laughs) came out, I should say. You're saying there's a chance. (laughs) Uh, But when it first came out, I remember it was the first movie as an adult I chose to see in a theater multiple times. Yeah. I think I probably saw it four or five times in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just blew me away. Like, I'd never seen anything like that as far as storytelling, the way, the structure of the film, having these different stories kind of meet together, the yeah. violence and the humor of it yeah. all together. Um, I was a big Bruce Willis fan, so I think that probably is what got me to the theater in the first place yeah, to see yeah, it. Yeah. But then this guy, Tarantino, and you're like, well, who's who's this guy? And you sort of had a sense, even though I was young at the time, I think I had a sense that this is a guy who's going to be the director of my generation oh, and, wow. and is going to be, like, the guy for mm-hmm. a while. So, um, yeah, his films meant a lot to me. And Jackie Brown is one of my favorites mm-hmm. and, and Glorious Bastards. And the one thing I want to say with the caveat yeah. uh, about what he was saying about the ten films, mm-hmm. and, I, I, you know, when he said that, too, it was kind of like, yeah, sure, Tarantino, yeah, ten yeah. films, whatever. I think the caveat to that is 10 feature films. Oh. I feel, because I've done a couple interviews with him Mm -hmm. recently, and he sort of adds that on. He's like, this, I'm planning to do 10 feature films. That doesn't mean that he couldn't make a movie with Netflix or make a movie. Yeah, that's the way I kind of understood it the last time. Or God forbid, TV movies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's so anti all of, I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, with Netflix, he just did that thing with Hateful Eight that was interesting. I don't know if you guys checked it out. It didn't really improve the movie much for me, but that's probably my least favorite of his movies. But um, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But they, but, but so he is open to, I think, the idea of streaming, at least. 
through mm-hmm. this little experiment he did with Netflix. They all come around eventually. What about you, Nikki? What's been your uh, relationship with Tarantino? Well, I mean, when I saw Pulp Fiction, I wasn't remotely even ever thinking I would ever live in Los Angeles, mm. be in this business. I don't even think when I saw it, I was really, I probably heard the name Tarantino, but was young that I just sort of went, that was probably one of the coolest movies I've ever seen. And it does, when you see something when you're that young, it affects you in a, in a profound way. Yeah. And, you know, it's the kind of thing that we all do now, even talking about The Lion King recently, right. where you're nostalgia for something and where you were in your life right? Mm-hmm. and how much it meant to you at the time. Because back then, I mean, now we all consume so many films and mm-hmm. so much, you know, streaming yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah. Back then, it was a really special thing to go to Ooh, the movies. That's a really good point. And that was a special moment because it was like nothing I'd ever seen. Yeah. Um, and I don't... And, and to this day... I watch things and go, if it weren't for that film, this would not exist. I think a right. lot of HBO wouldn't exist if it wouldn't weren't for... Because he sort mm-hmm. of paved the way for that edgy kind of dialogue. and He, he, he definitely yeah. changed the zeitgeist. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. For yeah. sure. Well, it's, it's something to stand out when a new wave of change comes in the film world. Yeah. It's something to be the director who survives, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at the 70s, mm-hmm. Scorsese, uh, Lucas, uh, Spielberg, all these directors, and how many of them have stayed the course and stayed consistent? Really, only Scorsese and Spielberg. Coppola even fell right. off. Like, all, yeah. So it says Palma, something. Lucas, De- all of them. Right. No, I totally they am with you on fell that. Off. Yep. And, but with the independent film movement, it's always been Tarantino that has essentially been the standard bearer. Soderbergh kind of went and did his own thing. And Rodriguez, and you had a couple right. other guys. Right. But Tarantino's still he's the guy of that yeah. independent and, film culture right. where and other guys this, have become studio. Yeah, actors. or done other things right. or fallen off or stopped doing projects or not been, you know, the quality has not been as high right. as Tarantino. Tarantino's always maintained consistent quality. Whether you have a least favorite, it's still a quality film. And mm-hmm. that's the difference. Yeah, and what I thought was great too is think about the renaissance of Travolta. Yeah, mm-hmm. And right. what... You know, a risk that would have been at the time, mm-hmm. and a bold choice, and he's always made bold choices since then, but at the yeah. time to do something like that, and I'm I don't, I'm trying to think, had other people done that in the past where they'd brought back a big No, he was definitely star. the first mm-hmm. to do it yeah. on that scale, in that way, yeah. and, and I think, you know, Robert Forrester has a career today, Absolutely. because uh, Pam Greer has Pam a career Greer. today, right. yeah. you know, I think certainly there's a lot of, uh, Carradine got a, a last sort of mm-hmm. thing before uh, he passed. So I, I think that that's a really good point. Like Tarantino is one of those directors and may be kind of the only director to yeah. have ever sort of done that in that way. Yeah. yeah, for me, it was it started with Reservoir because it was I was like 25 or 26 yeah. when the thing came out. And mm-hmm. I used to bring people over because at the time I didn't know what I was doing with my life. I was work. I was in the military. I was working at a bookstore at night. I, I just didn't know what I was doing with my life. And uh, film was always, though, the one thing that I could turn to and enjoy and lose myself in. And even if I was depressed about my life, I could enjoy film. And ha- seeing the independent film movement and being at the beginning of it and reading all the articles promoting these films and going to the theater to see these films, taking my time to go see them, yeah. uh, Reservoir Dogs was the one that like blew my mind. And so... I would bring people over to my house, or to my apartment, rather, to watch it on VHS. I bought the VHS. It was like $95 or whatever, and I would bring people over, and that's became wow. my... And people would... Nobody ever walked away from it not loving that movie. Do you remember... What year did that movie come out? I think it was 95 or 96. Yeah, because I remember... Yeah. 
the the Lion King came around came yeah, out in ninety four. And those were yeah. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. so Reservoir's probably ninety four. I remember then. those yeah, being early. like the two big movies that stood out for me from that time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and it was like yin and yang, like Reservoir <laughs> and Lion King. Well you could argue the height of animation <laughs> right. to the beginning right. of a new well, movement. And that's the other film. thing is I, I think in a way you could really I mean that independent cinema that came mm-hmm. out in the 90s, I mean, Tarantino really was the yeah. godfather of that, and really, really the only one who's continuing to do it. Yeah. Right. And, you know, we're going to talk about the nine films, but, mm-hmm. I mean, there are some that I love a lot more than others, but yeah. there's not a bad film. Exactly. There's not a bad film. Exactly. He hasn't made and a bad movie. He's made yeah. movies that are better than well, others. Well, I have a different... Right. I'm going to have a different relationship with Tarantino than both of you. I know when okay. we get into it. All right. But, all yeah. right. Well, the, the <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was part of the list of movies that uh, were coming out this week. And you know we do on the LAOFCS is we have a pick of the week. And the pick of the week this week uh, by a landslide was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which tell because obviously it's about Hollywood. We're all film uh, nuts, and we love Tarantino, so why wouldn't it win? But some of the other films that came out this week uh, are Abstain, uh, or are coming out this week, rather. Abstain, The Mountain, Honeyland, which I have been pitched to to go see as a fantastic documentary about this woman who takes care of these bees and her relationship with these bees. Well, that's a so, documentary. Yeah, it's a doc. Oh, okay. It's a documentary. Mike Wallace is Here is another documentary, which I had the pleasure to interview Abby Belkin from one of my podcasts. Uh, it's called The Deep Cut that I do over on Collider Conversation. You can go find it. He, it's going to drop tomorrow. He talks about making the movie and what it was like working with it. He's from Israel. He came over here from Tel Aviv three years ago. Three years ago. Uh, and just got interested. He wanted to explore the idea of news and the news and the changing landscape of news. And he just kept seeing these Mike Wallace uh, uh, interviews and Mike Wallace conversations. And he just veered. He changed his documentary to veer towards Mike Wallace. Cool. So wow. Mike Wallace became the reason that he, that he kept going. And he was able able to still prove his point about the changing face of news through Mike Wallace's conversations with Bill O'Reilly. Oh, interesting. So he does a fantastic job with this documentary. Highly recommend. It's only 90 minutes, but it's a great revisit for those of you who know Mike Wallace and those of you who don't. You revisit a time when journalism was more than just about talking heads. It was about actually getting the information, asking the hard questions, and people being forced to answer them, which I really appreciate. I just want to go, you know I go on tangents sometimes, but it just reminded me of something thing and that's I just went down a rabbit hole and watched a bunch of old Barbara Walters interviews Mm. on YouTube um, and and literally spent like at one point it was like one in the morning and I'm like just one more (laughs) just one more and it just that era and do you do you Mm -hmm. both do it as hosts do you sit because I'm fascinated by interviewers oh yeah I would Um, love to do it at the level that Mike Wallace studios would never allow you to do it now right that's that's, well there's no time there's no time there's no time right Right. what do do you you know to get an hour or 30 minutes with somebody like it's impossible now but even the I think it was Esquire that did the interview for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood I don't know if you read it or not but it is a fabulous interview and they talked about he talked about you know spending the afternoon with them and I thought how did you get all that time (laughs) like you're you probably know the name there's a great old school writer and he wrote a story that was Mm. famous uh, in in newspaper this is how far we're going back in the 60s uh, that was like 
he was he came to LA to do an interview with Frank Sinatra and then he never like Sinatra never showed up so the interview basically was with all of Sinatra's help oh like, wow the butler like I spent the day with Sinatra's butler yeah, or whatever. yeah, yeah. and he, I mean but this was a guy who got to Talese I think it's something Talese, oh yeah okay guy Talese guy Talese yeah. guy Talese yeah, I, yeah hearing Great about writer. him and, and, and like you said like getting the opportunity to spend time yeah. with the people that you're actually and actually get yeah. to know them for for an interview mm-hmm. is is something that's you know kind of obsolete. Yeah, now. I think yeah. it's all to prints now, magazines now get that access yeah. bit, on camera. Bit, yeah. It rarely happens. I was at the Blinded by the Light junket, and I was talking to an old school person who had in, who's done junkets for a number of years, and she was telling me she's like, we used to get thirteen minutes with them, yeah. and then mm-hmm. it was twelve, and then it was eight, and then it was six for a long time, and now it's four, and it's like wow. And you're lucky you if you get four? three and a half yeah, in that right, four exactly, minutes, exactly yeah. right, or, or you get more than one question. Then. Um, the other movies that are coming out this week uh, are Tel Aviv on Fire, The Ground Beneath My Feet, For Sama, The Field Guide to Evil. Uh, do you guys know any of these movies? Yeah, right. I don't. I don't it's either. It's been all about one movie. It's, yeah, this it's week. pretty much Once Upon a Time this week, and that's it. Yeah, that's all right. It. Well, exactly. uh, we should probably uh, get but we into them. them, and we will check them. Yeah, out. There's, yeah. We, we did a brief review as Scott asked, uh, which was Mike Wallace as, as much as I can as I can review. Uh, um, and, but our movie pick of the week is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's the one that everyone's been waiting to see, looking forward to see. As we said at the beginning here, Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt starring in this one. Margot Robbie is Sharon Tate. Uh, there's also it's an assorted assortment of actors. Mike Moe, who I also got to interview, he plays Bruce Lee in the movie. Steve McQueen is in the Damian movie. Lewis. Damian yeah. Lewis with the worst wig I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yes, but also strangely does look no, like Steve McQueen. Yeah, he does. He so does. He, so oh, yeah. I'm a huge Damian Ooh. Lewis fan. I, the, yeah. my favorite show is Life, which Life is was his great. show before he did Homeland. Canceled too early. Yeah, that way show. too early. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, he's such a great actor. So when I heard, and he looks just like him in the yeah. face. Yes. But Steve McQueen never had hair like that. I think I know what they're going for. <laughs> yeah. They're trying to do his Le Mans look, which would have been yeah. like three years after 1969. Fair he oh. should have been in the bullet, like, sha- not mm-hmm. shaved head, but like close cut bullet haircut, because this would have been 69. Right. He would have yeah. literally just finished shooting bullet. I don't even know if it would have been in theaters yet. Yeah, that's so good it was weird they had this like gangly red kind of curly wig on Lewis that yeah. that was the only thing that took me out of it otherwise you know he's great I mean it's just yeah. one scene he's just in this one yeah. little short scene but, but he it, was yeah. great it's great yeah yeah yeah, yeah Maya yeah. Hawk is in this one Uma Thurman's daughter which I was I leaned over to Christian Harloff we were watching and I said Tarantino has directed her mom and her in a mm-hmm. movie he's directed that right. long that he's been able to direct uh, Uma Thurman and Uma Thurman's daughter yeah. in, in and a Bruce, movie. Bruce Willis's daughter is in oh, the yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. Bruce right. Willis yeah. is in the That's movie right. as well. Another And then example. did you notice the original Spider-Man? Yes, Nicholas Hammond. Nicholas Hammond. He's he was the, the director. He's the director. The director of the Cowboy Show with, who with, yells with, at Terry. Uh, yells the white hair. Yeah, that's Nicholas he Hammond. He was the first Spider-Man, yeah. live action, first live know, action Spider-Man. Wh- when you watch it, there's so many fast little cameos mm-hmm. and so many of them. And I was at the premiere and I saw so many people yeah. that had to kind of reintroduce themselves because it's like, oh, I played this in the movie because they were so heavily disguised. It was cool. I mean, there's so many little cameos. It's one of those you got to go back and watch and go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's... And Nicholas Hammond's other claim to fame besides Sound of Music, do you know what it is? No. 
on the episode of the Brady Bunch where Marsha gets in the face oh, hit with the football yeah. and the, the the football player won't go out with her because her nose is bloated. Is Nicholas Hammond? That was Nicholas Hammond was the football player. Wow. I think he played the same character in another episode too mm-hmm. where there was something with Greg. But. Funny because they, they uh, fashioned the uh, Hawaiian voodoo doll they get from Nicholas Hammond as well. He's, he, he posed for that. No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you totally had me. I would have been like, oh, wow, yeah, he got really involved. <laughs> All right, let's get into this. Jamie, I mean, uh, uh, Nikki, rather let's start don't with you go, no you no, went to no, Jamie yes. first All right, don't fine. Go, Jam- to, go to Jamie I, I really wish I really wish my go, time no, to, the, to, the, to the gentlewoman from I, I reclaim a time the palace please go first alright uh, Jamie tell ahead. me what, what is your feeling and reaction to the movie so I love the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to see a con was the first time oh, I saw congratulations. it, and so I've seen it a second time now with the theatrical. And it's actually changed. He added a scene since wow. con. Yeah, a little okay. inside. Um, nice. I don't think this is spoil anything to say the great escape scene is new. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. Because the visual effects weren't ready at right. con. Right. Okay. So, um, so I, you know, I loved it. Um, first of all, DiCaprio and Pitt are amazing together. I mean, just amazing together. Mm-hmm. I really loved. I think that in a way. Pitt has the showy part and DiCaprio has the hard work mm-hmm. because he's really laying on the character. You know, he's doing a little bit of a stutter when yeah. he's not, you know, the alcoholism and all that kind of stuff that you can see him doing. Um, but Pitt's got the showy part. Pitt's got the fun part. He gets yeah. to be Pitt. You know what I mean? He gets to be completely Brad Pitt. And I love that character, Cliff Booth. I mean, I think that might be one of my favorite Tarantino. I told Tarantino this last week. Whoa. That might be my favorite Tarantino character of all time. Wow. Wow. Absolutely love Cliff Booth. So I love this. Um, the film, you know, it's not, it, it doesn't really have a story, as mm-hmm. Tarantino has said. Like, mm-hmm. there's not really a plot. It's kind of a hangout movie like Jackie Brown, yeah. where you sort of get to know these characters. But there's the ticking time clock of what we know in reality right. is going to happen mm-hmm. before this movie's over, whether it happens or not. We yeah. know that that happened in real life. So it's sort of. It's got that urgency throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you're just like enjoying these characters, you know? And I love the friendship and the camaraderie between Pitt and DiCaprio is fantastic. Yeah. Um, Sharon, uh, Sharon Tate, Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate is awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, uh, there's been some criticism that she's not in a lot of the movie, yeah. but I think that was kind of the point. Like, I think the point was that it's really about these two guys yeah. and how the world around them is changing and how they deal with that as opposed to really about the Manson murders and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I um, a thousand percent agree with you. But And I love, and as we're talking about these supporting roles, yeah. Al Pacino, Kurt Russell, mm-hmm. Damian Lewis, I mean, I love seeing all of them. I thought, yeah. I, oh, I thought um, Lena Dunham yeah. Was born to play a member of the Manson I didn't even recognize I mean, her she, first. No, it yeah. took me a second. It took me a it second. Me a second. Me a second. Right. Oh, yeah. Per- perfect. Yeah. She's perfect yeah. in Dakota's. Dakota. Squeaky was per- like, oh. I, I, it took me a I while really to realize who that was, was with Dakota. Yeah, like, Bruce what? Dern gave us some dirty. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, right. he gave yeah. us a dirty. You know, oh, so uh, oh, did, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I yeah. would put it in his top five for me. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely have it as, already in his top oh, five. How many times have you seen it? I've seen it twice. Okay. I put it at the end of five. Right, right, right. You know, what I mean, I can name three or four of his movies I would rank before. Okay. But uh, it's strong top five for me. I mean, it's my favorite movie of the year for, for sure. For so, so far. Oh, wow. absolutely. Wow, that's a, that's a very strong statement. And I really hope Pitt gets an Oscar nomination at least. For this is where we need to start because for me, and we'll get to Nikki in a minute. For me, it's about the friendship. This is what sells it. And you're right. You can say that DiCaprio does the work, but I think Pitt. Does uh, I, yeah, I don't mean to diminish Pitt's work. No, either. no, of course yeah. not. But he's got he's got the 
but it's very natural. He's got this simmering animal-like quality just just below the surface, right? And in every scene that he's in, both brutal and not brutal, it's always just waiting there, but there's such a calmness to him. He's almost like the ocean until the ocean becomes this massive wave and crushes you. He's incredible. Dang, what an analogy. I'm just saying. He's just so cool. He's just so cool. So is the ocean. It's like cool until you yeah, mess with it. Yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. And then yeah. You, get, you, get the, you get the horns. And so he's like great in this. But I also think what, what I also think what's great is, once again, we get these awesomely well-written scenes we get to really like salivate at the meal that we're eating with the way tarantino writes his movies i i, I know nikki and i've had uh, a conversations about this film already but julia butters i think this is the young girl mm-hmm. she is incredible in that scene with dicaprio holding her own going back and forth with him and actually winning the scene out from under him and then them having that scene later on with him and the late great Luke Perry, uh, how what she compliment when she compliments him, then DiCaprio has a fantastic moment for himself. But for me, there are two th- things that stand up. DiCaprio on the trailer is maybe one of the greatest things I've ever seen to show you what it's really Which like. We've already disagreed about that. Yeah, yeah. She 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 has no con. She thinks people don't look in the mirror and talk to themselves. Here's and, my oh, no, thing. They absolutely. Do. Okay. Men do this absolutely. What if absolutely. I? What if? Where have I been in my entire? Because you know, there's a lot of we talked about this yes, before. Yes, we did. There are a lot of movies where whether it's a guy getting ready to ask a girl on a date and mm. it's like, okay, will you go? And they talk in the mirror or whatever. I've never related to those scenes in my life. And we talked about, and um, yeah. this is not a spoiler because yeah, it's in the trailer yeah. that, you know, he messes up a scene and he goes back yeah, to his trailer right. and he has this epic meltdown. And, it's longer in the movie. And he, and my only critique of that scene, and, and then I'll talk about how I felt about the movie, but mm. my only critique in that scene what I, was I was like, he was talking to himself out loud going, oh, you're so this and you're so that. And I, th- and I said to Roke, I said, people don't do that. Oh my God. Because here's <laughs> what, because day. I used to be an actress. I know you acted. Yep. I don't know if you ever were an actor, but <laughs> you're like, ah. Those were the but, days. <laughs> but here's the thing. When you screw up a scene or you screw up an audition, what is the first thing an actor does? They sit in their car on the way home and they say their lines out loud over mm-hmm. and over and they go, damn it, see, I'm so right. good in my car. I'm an Oscar-worthy performance in my car. Yeah. You say it out loud, you go over it. And so I was expecting that. Mm-hmm. But we argued in terms of you said that was like the greatest scene in the movie. My favorite scene in the movie was this scene that preceded that. And again, it's not a spoiler because mm-hmm. obviously he screws up a take right. to make him go in the trailer. Yeah. That shot, the way that was shot, and mm. that scene, people who haven't seen it, mm. watch out for that scene because yeah. DiCaprio, as an actor, having to screw it up and then reset, mm-hmm. and that that was brilliant. Mm. To me, that outshone yeah. the meltdown. 100%. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah, that was a great scene. Absolutely. Unreal. Best scene in the movie, I thought. I, I will. Let's. Uh, what's your thoughts on the film overall? So, okay. I. I as you guys were talking, I was like, oh, yeah, remember to say this. There's, I could probably talk about this movie for hours oh, yeah. Yeah. and find so many things to say. Um, this is a – I know this is going to be a big statement for you guys, but this is my favorite Tarantino movie. What? Because – one? Well, because you wow. know my history and how I, I feel fair. about okay. violent I think it's films. Worthy. Yeah. I have a real issue with a lot of violent films, and okay. I have a hard time with them in the first place. And Tarantino's been that person that I've 
always loved him as a filmmaker. I mm. love his ideas. I love his characters. I love the cinematography. I love everything about his films. What I don't necessarily always love is all the violence and the subject matter. Yeah. And this was the subject matter I've been waiting for. The late 60s, mm. Hollywood, the beauty of it. And the one critique that I keep hearing over and over from people was it didn't really have a story. And I'm like, that's what I loved right. about it. Mm. Because I love films like Lost in Translation that just are a slice of life. They just exist on screen. And when you can just be that fly on the wall experiencing a day or two days in the life I could revel in that. I could watch this movie over and over and over again for that reason. Because I just thought it was magnificently done. Loved the characters. There's mm-hmm. so many. And on, and it's one of those films that I'm sure you can both picture re-watching over and over and over again. And mm-hmm. finding new things in it. And I think 10 years from now, it's going to age like a fine wine. I think it's... I think it's an incredible movie. But that's just my personal mm-hmm. taste. Well, I'm not it saying yeah. it's the best Tarantino movie. I'm saying I enjoyed it the most. Right, right. Uh, you know, this, you must be a great Terrence Malick fan then if you don't like stories. <laughs> <laughs> I love Terrence Malick for that reason. Right, right. You know, right? I just get I, I get a little tipsy or I get a little altered <laughs> and I go into a Malick film and I have a great time because it just feels like now his late Malick films are basically lying in the water and going with the ocean. It's basically <laughs> right, Malick right, films. Right, right. And, and then you wake up at some point point, it's over. But, I, I I see your point. It, it is a definitely a fun world to to be in. He makes it. You, he makes it like I don't. Know, how can I say this correctly? He makes you want to be in this world. He makes you yeah. want to enjoy it. Oh, yeah. and savor it and brings it to life in such a vibrant way, uh, both positive and negative. And by negative, I mean like that scary scene in the ranch when he's going to see uh, who he's going to see that there. Might be my favorite scene. Yeah, that's, it's that scene. it's it's the few times that you feel the real terror in this movie. And then the other scenes with him and him and Brad having these like, or I mean, DiCaprio and Brad having these like real honest, awesome exchanges between men in the late sixties, right? Yeah. I love all of that. Um, but- I love the fact that Brad Pitt, we discussed this, yeah. was a man in this movie, yeah, sure. right? And and there's a scene on the roof, and it's like, it's. Females will like it, but the thing about well, it is... Well, not just females, I imagine. Well, yeah, yeah. But, you know, <laughs> whatever. You know what I mean. So, <laughs> I think it's just it just brings back, like, the 60s when the McQueens and those right. type of yeah. actors yeah. were mm-hmm. just men. No, and it's it was... very much in that mold. Totally. And, and that plays into this Cliff Booth character perfectly. Yes. Yeah. You know, one thing you said about um, the violence, uh, I actually, since I saw this a second time, mm. I found... Mm, let me say this without giving anything away. There's a lot of violence at the end. Yes. Towards the end of the movie. Yeah, sure. We'll just say that. Sure. I found myself howling in laughter the second time I saw the movie. Okay. In those violent scenes. When that violence is happening, I found it funny okay. and not horrific. The second right. time around, maybe it's because I was immune to it at that point because I mm. knew it was coming. or what, mm-hmm. But I've, I've... And I see... I've heard actually Norm Macdonald, the comedian, yep. has said uh, many times about Tarantino uh, that he finds all of Tarantino's movies to be comedy. Oh, I agree. And, and, oh, absolutely. I don't yeah. know that I 100% believe, but I, there's certainly a comedic element. element. Yes. And, and maybe yeah. more so than other 
filmmakers that claim to be comedic, comedic right. filmmakers. I think he finds the humor in the human condition right. of these people, no matter where their status is in life. Because he rarely does films about people of higher status. They're always people who have the lower kind of area. Because look, look at yeah. Booth. Booth is a struggling actor trying to reclaim what he once was, which was a leading man in a TV show. And we find out why he ended up not being that anymore and how it's kind of his fault. Right. And then what he's trying to reclaim, same thing. Brad Pitt was his stunt double. He's just trying to hold on to whatever he's got. And so just about all the films are about people of kind of a working class level. That's so right. Yeah, who, who, who you find the humor of life. Yeah. Involved because we all do, who are not billionaires, we find the humor in life because we have to, we have to fight for our lives and, and survive and do whatever. And so there are, there are humorous situations that come out of those uh, everyday interactions that I think Tarantino does a fantastic job of capturing in his movies. So I would agree than what Norm Macdonald says. They're all comedies because yeah. you do certainly do laugh yeah. through most of them. Well, a lot of his violence too. Not in the all of his movies. violence is humorous. But it's yeah. juicy. Yeah. It's, it's like juicy, yeah. entertaining. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Can we start a little bit of criticism with the film for me? I'll, I'll throw my two things out there and you guys can uh, obviously speak about what you felt. I, I felt that some of the characters on the fringes of the DiCaprio-Brad Pitt relationship were really uh, light and had no weight to them and no complexity and no nuance. And so you, lo- I think we lost a little more of the richness that we could have had in this world if he had spent a little more time giving them either more screen time, more scenes, or giving their scenes a little more weight. Uh, And I speak specifically about uh, Bruce Lee. I would have liked Mm. to have seen a little... We do get a lot... We do get like some Bruce Lee. I would like to have seen some more. He was great. great. Yeah, Mike Moe did a great job. And there are other characters... uh, And then my other complaint is actually a little bit about the violence at the end. I think he... I think he wants us to bring in what actually happened mm. and do the work for him. And I find that I think I, there, agree with I that. think there's another way he could have gone about this that would have solved that problem for me. But I may be in the minority because a lot of people say they love the ending and love the violence at the ending. So I'll leave it at that. What do you guys think? Do you have any negative things to say? Or I any issues absolutely with the movie? had no issue with the ending. I, okay. loved, I absolutely love the ending. Um, I felt in terms of your conversation about, you know, mm-hmm. them spending not enough time on certain characters, I will, I'll argue it, I'll play devil's advocate, sure. that I just feel like this was, again, ex- he did exactly what he intended to do with this mm-hmm. film. This is a slice of life. And it just sort of was supposed to be this idyllic time that sort of, when you think about two days in your own life, with the exception of the ending that something happens, that we all know something happens, yeah. um, if we were to have a slice of your life over two days and people float in and out. I think it's just, he, he, I think he absolutely did it the way he intended to do it. Yeah. I but think. would you like Nikki Novak to only have one scene with that? I feel like Nikki Novak would want to be in, seen. In, I'm not going to answer in that. The but I'll answer. John's story. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Nikki Novak only has one scene. <laughs> I'll like Sharon Tate, you kind of whisk right. it in. But here's, but I'll, I'm not going to answer, but, but I will say about the Sharon Tate thing. Yeah. I heard that before seeing this. She didn't mm-hmm. get enough, and we all heard about the New York Times. That, right. I was that, in the room when it happened. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. oh, wow. Well, when he said, I reject your hypothesis, which I've used that and saying since then. by the way, good then. for him. I thought that was a gotcha <laughs> Defend your film. I thought it was a gotcha right. question. But my issue was not, I thought she had plenty of screen time. I did, too. I thought she had a lot, a lot of screen time. I thought, um, 
And again, I think he did what he intended to do with her mm-hmm. character is have her just sort of float in and float out and just sort of be this hundred percent. I think that was sunshine that just came in and then, then yep. the sunshine goes behind the clouds mm-hmm. and then the sunshine comes back in. And so I think she he did exactly what he intended to do with her, and I felt like she got a lot of time. Okay, Jamie, I completely agree. Yeah, I think that was her purpose. I think she fulfilled it. I thought she had plenty. Of, like I didn't have a problem with that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, what you were saying about. The other characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't disagree, and would have been great to see. I would, I would love to see a little bit more Steve McQueen with a better Certainly. wig. I would like to see a little bit more uh, um, Bruce Lee. But at the end of the day, I think what you're saying, he intended to make a movie about these two guys. Yeah, it was just about these two guys and yeah. everything else. That kind. Of, the only other critique I would say, which we've heard a lot of people say at mm-hmm. this point, is I don't know if we needed to remake every episode of Bounty Law. <laughs> And show them in their complete entirety. I mean, I get it. And yeah. I, went, I went for the ride. I'm, I I'm with at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. But I maybe, for the sake of the film, we could have trimmed a little bit in that. But listen, mm. I expect a Tarantino movie to be two and a half to three hours long. Yeah, yeah, I expect yeah. it to have a lot of stuff going on that's not necessarily necessary to the plot, but is super interesting to the mm-hmm. overall movie. So... Mm-hmm. I'm along for the ride. So I'm good. You know, I wouldn't really say any of that's a f- real critique. Right, right. That bothered me about the movie. But, you know, if you were maybe cut out a little bit, that yeah, would be Yeah, that's, so that's another thing. I felt like maybe this was a, maybe 15 to 20 minutes too long. You could. Oh, I think it's a new editor that's wor- that worked with him on this yes. movie, not the editor he'd had before. So maybe that kind of played into it. I, I will push back or disagree with Jamie because I would have loved to have seen the whole series of Bounty Law because I'm a terrible I mean, fan I of Westerns. I would have too, but in the, in the context yeah, of yeah. a two-hour oh, movie. Totally, yeah. Yeah, 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 with yeah. the story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I get that. And, well, and, and the, yeah. the interesting thing was at Khan, the big critique that everyone was saying mm. was like, it's just too long, it's just too long. And then yeah. at the press conference, he goes, yeah, I'm adding another scene. And we're like, well, is he trolling <laughs> the critics in France? Like, I, what's he doing? I weirdly, I, when we got towards the end and I knew it was coming up on the finale, mm. I thought... We'd only been in it for an hour. It does it seem flew. short. It does oh, seem. Yeah. I, it does. I don't disagree. It does for a two and a what two forty five? Yeah, two forty five. It yeah. does feel yeah. not too long. It doesn't feel like too long. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say this: when I walked out of the theater, I said, oh, "I don't need to see this again for a while." But the last few days, I've spent you talking about, about it on Collider, talking about it with you, talking it about stays it here. In your head. Yeah, it stays in your head, and now I can't wait to go see it again this weekend and kind of just sit back, like you did, Jamie, the yeah. second time. Yep. Sit back and just savor yeah. it Super and enjoy it. And, the, yeah. and can we just talk about the music real quick? Oh, the too? music's great. I mean, obviously Tarantino yeah. always hits it out yeah. of the park with the music yeah. in his films, but. I, I mean, just the trailer comes up. I hear the Neil Diamond song. I'm like, oh, I got to download yes. that. I got to hear that. You know what I mean? It's really the yeah. whole. He he fills the whole package there. Absolutely, yeah. uh, and I also think, and I do feel he's showing off a little bit, but. It was nice to see him pay homage to all the movies. Hey, he's the greatest you know filmmaker saying, of all time. You know, he can show off all he yeah, wants, right? <laughs> and he does. The, 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 I will say this, and this is not a spoiler, but um, the Sharon Tate scene when she goes to see herself in the movie theater, which is in the trailer, so it's not a spoiler, is one of the sweetest scenes that you'll ever see uh, in a film about an actor looking at themselves. And I, I thought, and that was, go, go go. Well, I was just going to say, I thought it was really brave to not put her yeah. in the the D. Martin sure, film, sure, right? Sure, they sure, could, sure. Very easy could have Margot Robbie playing Sharon yeah. Tate, watch it, and that they just let Sharon Tate's actual image play, mm-hmm. which I thought was really brave and, and sweet of Tarantino. Well, I think it was an homage to her, yeah. and yes. I think he had to make that choice 
and he made, the, and I think it was the right choice to make, but it was the only scene in the movie that took me out of the movie because mm-hmm. I was watching Margot Robbie watch la- Sharon Tate, uh, yeah, <laughs> and they fair. don't really look alike. I mean, they do yeah. from far, far away. I but think from at one close. point they were going to go the other way because I've heard that Danny Strong was cast as Dean Martin. So oh, that makes me think wow. that maybe they had, and that his scene was cut. So it makes right. me think that maybe they actually shot that scene within the movie within the movie yeah and then use it but I, I, heard, I, I, heard, I also heard about another actor that was caught that was going to play another a role but I don't yeah. think we've dropped that news yet on Collider mm. so I'm not going to reveal it here but there, there was there's a lot behind the scenes of this movie that are, that is fascinating I can't wait I hope they write a book about this movie oh I should and give a shout love. out to my friend Please my friend do. Spencer Garrett is in this movie he yeah. plays the um, interviewer in the very opening scene oh yeah. he's great yeah. he's and in he, a lot of stuff he, he's in a lot of stuff yeah. and he's got a show coming out with Adam McCann HBO he's going to yeah, be great. playing oh, Chick Hearn he's got a lot a lot of good stuff coming up mm-hmm. but um uh Quentin at the it was really cool mm-hmm. at the premiere we walked up to say hi to him and Quentin said because my friend Spencer really looks like he's from that era he yeah, doesn't need to try he does. he's yeah, just right. that guy and Quentin said to him you were the most authentic thing in, in the movie and so he was just oh. like oh my gosh life made okay uh, <laughs> drop I, the mic <laughs> I remember him being the guy that interviews Jim Carrey at the end of Yes Man the cops that oh the detectives that pull him aside he's the white cop and the oh. other guy's the black guy. they pull and question him about his Yes Man theory with that book, so okay, I, he told Spencer. me a really cool story that I'll say okay. really, really was quick. He in Magnolia? Uh, yeah, he probably yeah, was yeah, in Magnolia. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll say this really quick, and I hope I'm okay, not getting running out of time. By saying this, he was cast in a Marvel movie. He was cast in Iron Man three, I think, okay. and he was supposed to play the president. Ooh. And oh. he ended up getting a smaller role, but because he got a smaller role, he's already been established in Marvel, and he can't go out for another Marvel movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, that's, that's like that. Yes. That's like that extra that's been making money every month, and then all of a sudden they give you a line. You can't come back. Yeah. Um, uh, not that I know anything about that. Uh, all right, let's. We got less than. We got a little bit over six minutes left. Let's look, close out real quick. Where do you rank this you, firmly? You rank this in your top five. Well, you, are you, you put you it as number, number one? one? Well, I said it's the one I enjoyed the most, right. but I think his best film was still Pulp, Pulp Fiction. It's okay. Still the best. What about you? Yeah. I yeah, Pulp Fiction number one for okay. me. I've probably got Inglorious at two. Okay. Jackie Brown at three. Django and this probably switch. Four and five, okay. and then the Kill Bill. Do we count Death Proof? You, yeah, I think you can count Death Proof. But then that's dead last. <laughs> okay. The Kill Bills, Hateful Eight, and then Dead, dead Okay, dead all right. Proof. For me, it's Kill yeah. Bill number one, and I do it together. The, okay. the bloody affair, the whole bloody affair, both those movies together. That's my number one Tarantino film. Reservoir Dogs is second. Um, I think I put Inglorious Bastards third, and then Pulp. Oh no, Pulp Fiction's third, then Inglorious Bastards. Uh, because I just don't love Pulp as much as everyone else does, but mm. I also enjoy mm. these other films. Just Reservoir Dogs, I think, is a sentimental nostalgia. Yeah, see, thing. I'm the I'm the other way with yeah. you. I, I'm Reservoir is not so much. I probably right. have it around the same place as the Kill Bills for me. Yeah. Um, and I have one way high. If we're separating them, yeah. I think Kill Bill oh, one's way sure. better than two. If, if you separate them, yes. If we're putting them as one thing, they actually, right. as one, they might be a little bit higher on the well, list. And that's the way it was originally it. done. You know, yeah. Weinstein cut them up. And right. well, he recently... He, t- and- Quentin just talked about that. Did he say it was one movie and Tarantino cut it up? He did. He did. He obviously said it's it's one movie. It was... But I think his answer was it was released two as two, yes. yeah, but it's I made one movie. There you go. Yeah. It's what I've been saying for years. It's one movie. No, but he, but he back. said it's two movies because there was end credits and right, right. Technically, yeah, he said, technically he said two it, it is two movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, listen, it's both. It's, yeah, no, I agree. This is me splitting hairs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, that's our uh, non-spoiler review of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I want to thank all of you all for watching us. 
where do you think it ranks? Like, do you, can you let us know what in the comment section? Like, let us know where you think it ranks for you. I, I put Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in the bottom five, but that certainly doesn't mean it's a bottom five film or bottom ten film. Rather, I put it in the bottom. Yeah. I put it about six or seven, maybe. No, I think, and, t- and like we said before, I mean, we're talking about Tarantino. Yeah, he's never made a bad right. movie. Right. So it's not. Do you agree? He's, he's never made no, a bad I, movie. Uh, no, right? and I, this is what I'm saying. It's just not my personal taste. Right. But as a filmmaker, he's always been one of my favorite. Right. Filmmakers. He always makes good movies because he makes yeah. great movies. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. not the thing that I'm going to watch over and over and over and over and over again. Okay. This one I will. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. One last thing. Do, where? What do you think his tenth film will be? Do you think it'll be Star Trek? Do you think it'll be a Kill Bill Volume? He 3? still sounds intrigued by the Star I, Trek. I thing. think this. The, yeah. I'm. I mean, if everything would have to align, as you know, mm-hmm. like you know, Paramount's got to sign off on, and, right. and everyone's got to sign off on what he wants to do. But I think if it's all green lights, he'll he's ready to do it. Yeah. yeah. I, but but if it seems but, like but it. that that. You know, again, everyone would have to say yes. Yeah. And if that doesn't happen, I, you know, he talked about, because I did a roundtable with him last week, and he mm-hmm. talked about, you know, I've never done a remake. Yeah. Maybe I would do a remake. Sure. Maybe. I would. So I think right. he's looking at, but then he also said, but maybe I'll find some story that is personal to me mm-hmm. that I want to do that original story again. So I think he's, for the maybe the first time in his career, yeah. open to... Well, the idea of of studio things and bigger things right. that he hasn't done before. I think that's it, Jamie, because this is his first studio film. Maybe he sees a whole new yeah. world now to explore as a filmmaker with more tools. And there's anything... A maybe making loves. a Marvel movie don't look so bad to him anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But maybe, you know, and at the end of the day, I mean, it's one of those things, even if he does Star Trek and that's his 10th movie, you can't tell me this creative force is just going to sit back and be inspired and not right. write it and make another movie. Yeah. Of course he is. That's he's certainly possible. Find I, I've had a hard, a hard time believing that, too. I mean, yeah. he's, he talks about maybe I'll write a book. Maybe I'll do plays. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think he's but got I mean, so much more. We've seen still. this before with Sodenberg. Yeah, like, right. oh, I'm, oh. Dead, I'm retiring. Yeah. No more movie. And then there's he there's keeps nothing. Making there's stuff. nothing athletes love better than re- claiming to retire and coming back all the time. And look, it could be like a Beatles situation. I know we got to wrap up. It could be like a Beatles situation here where they said we're not going to tour anymore, but they went in the studio, had more tools, and created even better films. Right. Right. Is that possible? We'll see. That would be certainly, so much fun. To certainly. See him do something different. Yeah, yeah, I'm not ready to have Tarantino retire. I have some more. Tarantino in yeah. my life yeah. for the next you know decade. Agreed, we'll agreed. Well, that's been our review of Once Upon a, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I want to thank all of you for watching Film Critics Weekly. Uh, that's brought to you by the L A O F C S. Jamie, where can they find you, real quick? Find me at Fieldbrock on Twitter and Facebook uh, and Instagram. There you go, and Nikki Novak at Fandango and at Nikki Novak. There you go, and you can find me at The Roca says on Twitter and on Instagram. See all the crazy sh- stuff I do there. I don't want to get us in trouble. <laughs> yeah, um, it's like a cringe. Thanks to Ryan in the booth for helping us out today. Uh, we'll see you next week with another episode of Film Critics Weekly. Take care. Woo-hoo. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. Views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.